0: Super excited to start this episode, but just as a warning, we will be talking spoilers for this season and a little bit of later seasons of American Horror Story. So if you're really invested on keeping things spoiler free, maybe skip this episode Also, there's going to be a content warning for violence, death, sexual assault, and miscarriages and abortions. So if you don't want to hear us talking about this, then kindly check out a different episode that we've done. Thanks.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We are Spooky Kid Podcast. This week's mandate is Grace, and she has picked American Horror Story Murder House.
0: So Chris's mandates were pretty similar, and I realized that my mandates are a little similar in the fact that it's kind of a supernatural family. I guess we're uh, learning about our interests in a different way.
1: I guess I like animals.
0: Yep. (laughs) You guess. Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. I'm not sure. (laughs) American Horror Story Murder House, originally just titled American Horror Story, is the first season of the FX horror anthology television series American Horror Story created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Felchuk. It aired between October 5th, 2011 and December 21st, 2011. The series and the cast went on to win and be nominated for several awards, most notably Jessica Lang winning Best Supporting Actress in a series, miniseries, or TV film, and the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama Series. This mandate is also kind of special because this is the first time I think that all of us have had experience with the mandate before recording. So this was at least everyone's second viewing of the season. Correct. Although no, we all had experience with Falling in Reverse.
1: That's true. But I think American Horror Story, Well, American Horror Story is the first visual media I guess that we've all had experience with and have like nostalgia with.
0: Basically, I show anyone that I really like this series because I did it for both of you guys. I made you watch it.
1: Yep. That is true.
0: I really liked to share it with people that hadn't seen it before because it was so over the top, especially when I was a little younger. This was like, this is my thing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely a uh, a mood, I guess. It's definitely one
2: that I don't think... It, it's it's intriguing from the first scene, but when the credits come in and they, they play that montage uh, and the, you have know, that music backing, I think it really is like, oh, this is something different. It, it's not at all going to be your average scary TV show. It, it, it has more to it and i think that that is really emphasized in in the uh in the credit sequence
0: american horror story really tries to shock you
1: yeah that was an interesting viewing experience for the first time especially i was like wow no punches are pulled in this show and watching it the second time i felt the exact same way
0: i think i've seen it now four times which i think i realized is too much
1: (laughs) I think it's
2: also good that I know that you and I have our favorite lines. I don't know if Chris has any favorite lines that he was waiting for as we were going through it this this time, but I have one.
0: I have a lot, and a lot of them are from the pilot because it's just so off the wall. So we should uh, jump into the pilot, which is just titled "Pilot." Yeah. So also, a lot of these summaries are coming from Wikipedia. Love Wikipedia. Make sure you donate when they ask you to, because I think all of our lives would be different without it, especially our generation.
1: School reports would be a lot more difficult.
2: Now that Yahoo Answers is no longer with us, I mean, all we really have is Wikipedia. RIP, yeah.
0: The series opens in 1978. Twin brothers Brian and Troy arrive and enter an old mansion despite a young Addy warning them that they would die. The twins enter the basement where an unknown creature kills them both. Flash forward to 2011. Vivian and Ben Harmon move to Los Angeles from Boston after Vivian had a miscarriage and later walks in on Ben having sex with one of his students. Their teenage daughter, Violet, is unhappy about the move. They come across the mansion. The real estate agent, Marcy, who I love, mentions the previous owners, a gay couple, died from an apparent murder-suicide. The family decides to buy the house and move in. In the attic, they discover a latex gimp suit, which presumably belonged to the previous owners. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up, unless you're my mom or on your work computer. Vivian meets the next-door neighbor, Constance, and her daughter, Addie, who has Down syndrome. Vivian also meets and rehires the elderly maid, Moira O'Hara, who worked in the house previously. However, for reasons unknown to us, Moira appears to be a young, seductive maid to Ben. The same night, Ben fights with Vivian, trying to apologize for his infidelity, blaming the miscarriage and lack of emotional support. You know, like a total garbage person. Their fight ends in the two of them having sex for the first time in over a year. On her first day of school, Violet is harassed by a bully named Leah and her friends. Ben begins therapy sessions in his home with a teenage boy named Tate. Kate walks in on Violet self-harming in the bathroom, and they quickly start up a friendship. To help Violet with her bullying problem, he suggests scaring Leah in the house. Moira attempts to seduce Ben while Vivian is out of the house. He refuses, but goes to his room and, um, releases some tension while crying and looking out the window. Unbeknownst to Ben, a man is watching from outside. Violet tricks Leah into the basement with the promise of drugs. Tate is downstairs waiting. When Violet turns off the light, Tate and the creature from the basement attack Leah, leaving her bloody and traumatized. Violet has no idea what Tate had planned. She is terrified and tells him to leave. Late that night, a man wearing a gimp suit enters Vivian's bedroom and has sex with Vivian. Vivian assumed it was Ben, but Ben was actually downstairs sleepwalking. He is drawn to the stove and tries to burn the house down, but Constance stops him. It's unclear how or why she's in the house. The next day, the man who was creeping on Ben approaches him. The man is named Larry, and half of his face and body have very noticeable scars and burns. He tells Ben that he killed his family by setting them on fire, and warns Ben that if his family doesn't leave the house, they will all die. Ben declines and tells him to stay away from him and his family. Later, at the end of the episode, Ben is told by Vivian that she is pregnant. So because this series is very character-driven, I figured after each episode we can discuss a main character and I think it would be most important to discuss Vivian first.
1: I agree. I think I'd say she's the most main character out of the like the main 3, I guess.
2: I think I might disagree with you on that,
1: but she's definitely
2: integral, obviously, to the the story of Murder House.
1: Who would you say is the mainest character? I would, or if you even think there is one. No, I would. I would argue Violet. Mm.
0: Between Vivian and Violet, they're kind of our eyes for the series. We experience what they experience and learn things as they learn things. Right. Ben is always kind of lagging behind.
1: Which I think is by design. Yeah. Considering he's, one, a psychiatrist, and he's the guy of the house, I don't know. Like, he's trying to rationalize everything that's going on, and none of it works. But, yeah, Vivian and Violet are constantly dealing with, like, the forefront of everything going on.
0: Yeah, the show has an interesting, um, I guess thesis is the right word. It's it's somewhat feminist, but also just kind of... Weird. I don't know. I feel like the the writers are kind of saying that the women are much more in tune with what's going on and see things in a more real sense. But it's also kind of homophobic because the more quote unquote uh, you know feminine person in the relationship is also more open to these things. We'll get into that later, but it's um. It's interesting for sure. And I I looked up a lot of things like, is American Horror Story feminist? And no one could quite say yes or no. They just all agreed that the women suffer a lot. Um, Yeah, so uh, what do you guys think?
2: Well, if we want to talk about Vivian specifically, she comes to the house, and I think it would be hard to argue against the fact that she, she kind of is the one out of everyone in the family that comes to the house dealing with the most and having to you know, uh, having to try to get past certain certain things as far as her, her miscarriage and having to still be with her husband after what he's done. And it's unclear her relationship with Violet and how that's gone. Initially in this pilot, there, there isn't really much that's shown about that, but we come to find out that that's also not as good as it could be. So
0: She's sacrificing... A lot. And right from the get-go, Ben is making her feel bad for things that were out of her control, especially the miscarriage where he's saying, you you weren't there for me. But that's not her fault at all because she's going through a lot of drama. And then one of our, one of my favorite lines, because I think just because of the delivery, is during their fight, Ben is just like, you got a dog i needed you and you got a dog but um it's no excuse for cheating on someone despite saying that it's statistically very common that men cheat on women after they've had a miscarriage
1: which is like such a he he downplays the whole thing a lot he at one point when he tries to kiss her she turns away and he says you have to forgive me at some point which is just really, I don't know, it felt like really slimy. But regardless, he, like you guys were saying, he definitely gaslights her a lot. And continuously, throughout the entire season, he gaslights her or is downplaying what she's going through real or not
0: it's also interesting i didn't think of this but in the very last scene of the show he has an interesting take on forgiveness so he kind of is a hypocrite in some ways
1: oh yeah he's not a good guy really like at the end of the day i mean he kind of cal- he he gets better as the season goes on but he's definitely not like a you know top of the line guy he's a decent enough guy, but not great.
2: In a way, the evolution of his character is thinking that he is a family man and ultimately embodying that sentiment and really caring about the family first and the people that are directly in his life as opposed to others that, that may be momentary as far as Hayden and anybody else that, that he thinks is more interesting at, at the time uh, but is not his his family. So hit in, in the pilot and sort of throughout the season, he thinks that, oh, if I just force everybody to regroup and to act a certain way, then it's going to be fine, and that is clearly going against the natural flow of things. It doesn't really help get through the grief. It it really pushes it aside. And Vivian, while she is taking her time and justifiably, I think is doing things a little bit more reasonably and at a pace that is healthy. And unfortunately, that that doesn't you know line up with what what Ben thinks is correct. But that's that's no excuse, and it's not really uh, his place to say what what is or isn't correct as far as how she should be behaving towards him and and uh everything else so she it's interesting because i assumed i think that she would be more taken with doing uh more to the house because it feels like there could be um certain aspects that that she would want to really change but really the only thing that happens is the, the wallpaper in i believe it's the living room comes down and then it turns out to be a little bit too much so she puts it back up and that's sort of the end of it um sort of showing that initial denial of what's really going on in the house uh from her perspective I
0: feel few weeks before this all of us watched the movie mother and it it ended up being an interesting double feature because of you know some of the home improvements and just general suffering so if anyone really wants to not feel so good watch that movie and that american horror story or vice versa
1: do you want to be upset watch either in either order because i know i was
0: yeah if you really want to feel like a strong but traumatized woman Watch both of those.
1: (laughs) And doesn't everybody. Um, But what you were saying, Walker, uh, with Ben, you said that Ben was going to these other women like Hayden because they were more interesting. I think almost gives him too much credit because I think he was just going to them or her specifically because she was like easier. I don't think he even necessarily cared that, you know, she needed help or whatever, but Like, she didn't just have a miscarriage, she isn't his wife, he just wanted, like, something that wasn't that, um, which just kind of shows that Ben is, uh, just a- it just shows that Ben is a- God, what what is that? He's opportunistic. Yeah.
0: He's a narcissist, too.
1: And- Yeah, he's trying to fill his ego, I guess.
2: Right, and, I mean, to that same point, Aiden isn't actively grieving, so- Right. He maybe feels like there's a chance to have more of a connection as opposed to... It's really, I think it comes down to him not wanting to address the actual issues and what's really bothering his wife.
1: Uh, it's... Right. He wants to sweep something under the rug. Right. He wants to sweep this, the what happened under the rug. Mm-hmm. In every instance, he can.
2: And we, we get mentions of couples counseling that they've done. We don't ever see it. I don't know that that would be at all necessary, but we later on in the season have a bit of a revelation where, and I don't know if this is out of his actual thinking or if he's trying to do more damage to Tate, but he out and out says that therapy is more or less useless. His job is not at all what it seems to be, and, and he thinks that as a, a practice, it's it's not anything that, that you should invest into as far as your time and,
1: and effort.
0: Well, yeah, seeing him would be terrible because he's the worst psychiatrist I've ever seen in my life. Um,
1: yeah, he diagnoses somebody in like three seconds and it's probably not even true. I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit into Ben.
0: Yeah, poor Vivian.
1: Yeah, Vivian, Um, she... She's one of, like, the few characters that is pretty rational throughout, you know? Like, every time she reacts to something, it's it makes sense. Everyone else seems to explode or scream and yell or choose violence. But she... Generally, like you were saying, Walker... When she was trying to process what happened with the miscarriage and Ben cheating. This is in the last episode, but she plans on going to her sister's place to kind of decompress and process. And then Ben's like, no, let's buy a house and move and completely uproot everything we have. So you have to like be dependent on me and unfortunately she goes along with it and then that's how the show starts but it's
0: kind of that thing where they say oh if you're getting cut off from everyone in your life besides for your partner it's a a huge red flag and to move really far from her sister who lives in florida i mean they lived in boston before then so they weren't necessarily close but they were closer
1: yeah,
2: But now they're halfway across the country in California. And in that scene that you had mentioned, Chris, and I think it's the last episode where we get a sort of how it started recap. It's this cheery sort of upbeat idea of, oh, we'll, we'll buy this house with the underlying implication that I'm going to financially cripple you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't you want to move and have you be dependent on me until, you know, we sell this house? And that's exactly what happens. Like they get absolutely trapped. Right.
2: It makes me wonder if the property that they are leaving in Boston, how did they sell it and then put all of that into the current house or, or what happened there? Because I would assume that they own that house probably outright, but I, I don't know. It's not ever really... It's fancy. It, yeah. It the, is fancy. Right. The, what, the house that they, they leave in Boston is definitely, it's got more of a modern vibe to it. It's It's pretty big. And I don't know if it's where it's located, but I would assume it would
1: probably run for the same, if not more money than murder house. So it's weird. The house that they had in Boston looks like it belongs in California. And the house they have in California looks like it belongs in Boston.
0: That's so true.
1: <laughs> it, it I, they always said that they were in L.A., but I was constantly having to remind myself that they're in L.A. It's the least California show that takes place in California that I think I've watched. Because most of the show... Yeah.
0: Yeah, aside from, like, the Black Dahlia, there's no connection.
1: Yeah, right, exactly.
0: So, do you want to jump into episode two, then?
1: <sighs> yeah, did anyone else have anything to say about uh, Vivian? I will say I'm a little bit sad because I,
2: I think that her being a, a... I think she's a cellist, right? Yeah cello is cell- Is that what you... Is I it a cellist? It? An individual who plays the cello. Right. She plays <laughs> the cello, and I don't know to what capacity, if she was with an orchestra or what, but I, I was a little bit uh, sad that that aspect of her you know, career and,
1: and her, her passion for that was never really shown up until, I think, the last episode. Yeah, I mean, they... I think... Because you mentioned that, Walker, when she started playing the cello. You were like, she's a musician? I was like, oh, yeah. I think they they kind of offhandedly mention it in the first episode. But they don't even say that she plays something. I think Ben, when they're touring the house, says, oh, you could do your work in this room or something. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was more of a painting thing. But, no, yeah, she plays the cello now. She doesn't want to mention it at all before that which is a shame because it seems like they almost focus it's a shame because they pretty much only focus on the trauma and stress that she's dealing with day in day out at the house and even before the house
2: yeah it it is a, a bit of a bummer that that's kind of i don't know if it was forgotten about or if they decided to not include it for whatever reason. But the the one thing that kind of shows that maybe they could have done something is that when we have scenes where we flash back to the Montgomery's, the original builder and his wife, or I guess the the family that decided to construct this house back in the early 1900s, we have these orchestral beats and they, you know, they're very ominous, but I think that that would have been cool to have not her play those specifically, but sort of have something to be the antithesis. This, to that something more cheery a bit more bright uh, it might have it might have helped illustrate her emotionally a little bit more uh, differently than just her saying something or or uh, you know but anyway um, let's move on to the second episode then
0: so the second episode is titled home invasion a flashback to 1968 shows the house being used as a dormitory for nursing students while alone in the house at night, two students, Maria and Gladys, are studying when a man rings the doorbell and asks for help. Noticing the man is bleeding from the head, Maria lets him in and begins to treat his wounds. When she realizes there is actually no cut on his head and the man is faking an injury, the man attacks them both and overpowers them, forcing them to wear their nurse outfits before drowning Gladys in an upstairs bathtub and tying Maria up before stabbing her to death. The murder is very similar to a real murder that was committed in Chicago by serial killer Richard Speck. Back in the present, Ben meets with Tate again, who reveals that he has sexual fantasies about Violet. Ben obviously says that it is very inappropriate to talk about that and tries to get to the root of Tate's issues. Ben then sees a new patient named Bianca who is fascinated by the history of the murders in the house. After the sessions, Ben tries to have Tate transferred to another doctor, but there are issues locating his records. Then he receives a call from his ex-mistress and former student Hayden, who tells him that she is pregnant and needs his support while Having an abortion. Constance senses that Vivian is pregnant, and Vivian confesses that she fears there is something wrong with the baby. Constance assures her that her baby is fine and confesses that three of her four children were born with some sort of birth defect or disability. It's also a plot hole because we only meet three of her children, um, and there are a lot of theories on who the fourth child is, which does somewhat get answered in the eighth season which is Apocalypse which has some ties to Murder House. In order to see Hayden, Ben lies to Vivian saying he must go to Boston to see a patient. Violet reveals to Vivian that she knows about the pregnancy as well. That night a trio of serial killer enthusiasts Led by Bianca, the patient from earlier that day, break into the house and capture Vivian and Violet. The trio plan to reenact the murders of Maria and Gladys, but Vivian and Violet escape their captors, who become lost in the house. Tate and the ghosts of Maria and Gladys dispatch the intruders. Two of the intruders, Dallas and Fiona, are killed in the house. Bianca dies fleeing the house down the street. Constance, Tate, and Moira agree to get rid of the bodies. And I've always liked their little exchange when they decide to get rid of the bodies because I think those three are my top three favorite characters and they very rarely get along. So it was nice to see them have some teamwork.
1: They're they're cooperating for once when they're usually very hot. Well, I think that's one of the only times Tate and Moira interact.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah but moira or constance interacts with the other two like r- very regularly and not usually very cooperative or understanding
0: no and i just kind of like that one's like i'll get the bleach i'll get the shovel
1: yeah <laughs> they're just like oh here we go again
0: Rider dies yeah Kinda. So Ben hears about the home invasion and rushes home, abandoning Hayden at the abortion clinic. Ben is upset to learn that Tate was in the house during the attack and feels that Tate has crossed the line by becoming involved with Violet. Violet points out that Tate was there to help them and Ben wasn't. Vivian decides they must sell the house.
1: A reasonable want from Vivian that I think Ben is not very keen on.
0: Yeah. So the character I wanted to discuss after this episode is Ben, but because we kind of discussed him earlier, is there anything you guys would like to add or should we move on?
1: I think we covered generally what Ben's about. He does lie a lot to Vivian regularly, which is just him gaslighting her further. But there are moments where he does He does care about his family. He's just not very good at doing it, I guess. He's always got something else going on that he'd either rather be doing or thinks he could be doing better or something. But... um yeah, he makes a lot of bad decisions very regularly. He's very convinced of the fact that this house
2: is his new beginning. It is what they need. It's it's going to be the metaphorical glue to hold them all together. And he couldn't be further from the truth on that.
1: Right. Yeah, from the last episode, he banks basically everything on this move working out with his marriage, his family, his daughter, financially. And then it it, it doesn't very much at all.
0: It's frustrating because it seems like Vivian and Ben have the same goal, but they're going about it all wrong. I mean, not not so much Vivian, because like we said, nearly all of her decisions are rational, even though people try to convince her they're not. But she is trying. It's not like she wants to break up and never speak to Ben again. She wants the family to be together as much as Ben does, but Ben can't relinquish any control over the situation and then makes everyone miserable.
1: Ben wants it to happen tomorrow... And Vivian wants it to happen when it happens. And I think they both have the same blind spot when it comes to Violet. Vivian does address Violet, like, after the bullying or, you know, does check in with her. Ben only seems to do it when, like... Violet comes to him, which isn't very often.
0: And he's very clinical about it.
1: He more or less asks at one point to
2: have her define what the bullying is. Like, that's the most important thing (laughs) that that he's heard. He wants a definition as opposed to just hearing her for what she has to say.
0: I mean, she came home with, like, a cut and bruises on her face, I think pretty obvious.
2: Right, and I th- I believe the the one chick
1: also tried to shove her cigarette butt in her face.
0: She tried to make her eat it.
1: Weirdly, Violet didn't want to do that. But also, kind of off asking her to define bullying, it's weird when he later talks about how smart Violet is. Like, she wouldn't know that she's getting bullied. Like, why even bother asking about it? Because he acknowledges not that you have to be smart to know you're getting bullied, but he has like this faith in her while at the same time not having any faith in her.
0: He doesn't believe women when they tell him anything.
1: Later on, and I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but he doesn't believe that Vivian was raped until he like basically confirms it on his own. Ben sucks basically through and through. Um, But I mean... To your point, like, all the men in this series or season, aside from the security guard cop's name, I'm not sure his name. I think is, Kevin. He's, like, the only—Kevin, yeah. Kevin is the only good guy. I think the boyfriend of Constance is all right. He's an airhead. Yeah, he's an airhead, but he's not, like—he's In he's not— uh, an adulterer. Well, well, no, that's not true. He is. Yeah, absolutely, he is. <laughs>
2: that's a. That's why he dies. He's definitely more caring and emotionally
1: available. I would say. Yeah, he's he's very naive, and I, we don't need to get into him, but yeah, Ben is not like that. He's he's a guy, and he's always right, and he knows better, and you know, yada yada quotes quotes there
0: so should we move on to episode three
1: yeah that's all i had to say
0: cool so the third episode is titled murder house Flashing back to 1983, Constance catches her husband, Hugo, attempting to rape a young Moira. Constance shoots and kills them both after misinterpreting Hugo's advances on Moira as consensual. Flash forward to the present, the Harmon's finances take a blow, making moving impractical. Meanwhile, Ben falls asleep during an appointment and wakes up in the yard having dug a hole but has no memory of it. Back in his office, Moira is mopping up blood and continues to sexually harass him. Ben threatens to fire her. He is unable to convince Vivian about Moira's sexual advances, and Moira threatens to sue if they try to fire her without just cause. Hayden arrives at the house and announces to Ben that she is keeping the baby, moving nearby, and wants to continue her affair with him. Vivian goes on a bus tour of haunted places in Los Angeles, After finding out their house is on the tour, she learns the house's original owners were Dr. Charles Montgomery and his wife, Nora. He develops an addiction to anesthesia and begins to conduct Frankenstein-like experiments in the basement. With the aid of his wife, Nora, Charles started performing illegal abortions on young women for extra money. On the bus, Vivian notices blood on her pants, so she goes to the doctor, fearing that she's miscarrying the baby. The doctor assures Vivian that the baby is fine, but advises that the stress of moving could cause a miscarriage. Ben encounters Larry while out on a run. Barry asks Ben for money. Ben refuses. When Ben returns home, he blacks out again and wakes up next to a shovel in the same spot in the yard. As he begins to dig, Constance encourages him to stay in the house and build something over that spot. Hayden arrives at the house and starts arguing with Ben. Out of nowhere, Larry smashes her over the head with a shovel and she dies instantly. Larry buries Hayden in the hole Ben had started. It is discovered that Moira was also buried in the same spot in the yard. Later we learn that Moira had been drugging Ben and dragging him to the yard with a shovel to that spot so he would find her remains. Instead, Ben builds a gazebo over the spot, and Constance taunts Moira, telling her that now she is stuck in the house forever. It's really sad, but somewhat of a plot hole, because plenty of the other ghosts in the house had their bodies taken off the premises after their death, but they are still stuck in the house. The only explanation I could find on Reddit about all of this was that all the spirits are stuck in the house because they died there, but also because of unresolved issues. Moira was never able to get justice for what happened to her. But if someone discovered her remains, the crime could be linked back to Constance, and maybe Moira would be able to be set free. Yeah, so that's it for the summary. Do you guys want to discuss uh, Hayden?
1: Sure. Yeah, let's talk about Hayden. She matters too. (laughs) She has feelings and matters too, which is true until you start emotionally torturing people, which she does very often.
2: It's interesting because you would assume that she's only going to be that way with Ben, but after certain things transpire, it's clear that that's just her personality. She's very vengeful. She has a lot of rage, and it's not entirely clear where it all originates from. We don't know her background necessarily, but she has a lot of very strong feelings, and they are not mostly productive.
0: She's kind of... (laughs) She's kind of the villain for every character. She's not exactly um dynamic in any way. Right. Which is a shame. I wish she was written a little better so you could understand a little bit. Like you you understand that she feels tricked by Ben, like he probably told her that he wanted to be with her and no one else, but then he manipulated her into getting an abortion that she didn't want, and then she ultimately doesn't have done, but
2: She's the type of person that there's there's the old saying or the old question where you, you would talk to your parents and say, oh, so-and-so is doing X, Y, Z. And they would ask, oh, well, if so-and-so jumped off a bridge, would you? She's more or less the person that or the friend that would say, oh, you should jump off the bridge. She'd be the one encouraging
1: you to engage in your less-than-healthy behavior. Yeah. She's definitely an instigator in that sense, that she's always pushing people to do something, which as viewers, we know is bad. We know that they shouldn't be doing that or a, that's not like a rational, reasonable thing to do. Um, I agree that she's not very well written in the sense that she doesn't have a lot of depth in like her relationships with other characters. She's always the antagonist. But what I thought was interesting is that usually in these, uh, like mistress type characters, they're usually sympathetic. I didn't once really sympathize with her. Maybe when you first introduced to her, when like Ben is talking with her at the apartment in Boston. But after that, her true colors show, and she is not afraid to really like drive that point home
2: i think the what really keys you into the type of character that she is is those moments early on where she has the quick bursts of of anger and sort of lashes out those those don't go away they are uh, if anything they kind of become heightened as the this, this season goes on but for her to die so early in this season is interesting it, it makes me wonder if it would have been possible to have her remain alive and still make sense for the show but in the end of all works out i think
1: well i don't totally understand why larry killed her because it I i think he was saying that she he was worried that he she would go to the cops and then ben would get outed and then get into trouble with vivian but her dying on the premise basically made her like like a like a superpower you know she was constantly able to torture and manipulate anyone in the house.
2: Really, I think Larry just wanted his $1,000, and if Ben was driven out of the house because of her, then I don't think he would have gotten his money.
0: I also think we...
1: $1,000 is a lot for a $1,000. You
2: know, a bit uh, of a I scratch your back, you scratch mine situation.
0: We um, also learn later about Larry's backstory, which he has several versions of it, but once we learn the truth... We learned that having a mistress kind of ruined his life as well. So that could possibly have something to do with him trying to help Ben in the worst way possible.
1: He, he was still very much into Constance and wanted to be with Constance still.
0: Yeah, but he blamed Constance for all of it. He didn't blame himself.
1: I don't think he really blames Constance until like later on in the season though.
0: Yeah. It's kind of tricky because of all of his different versions. He's like the Joker. It's like, wanna know how I got these scars?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a different story every time. Yeah,
0: and each time he's less sympathetic.
1: Yeah, he's he does have a lot of funny lines though. I don't know if it's his delivery, but I think it might have been the first episode when he meets with Ben and Ben's Complaining about his life or something, he has this funny line, where he says, "When after Ben is complaining about his life, I'm trying really hard not to judge you right now."
0: It's so good,
1: and um, yeah. it's so good for a guy who only has use of one arm. He really can dig a hole too. Yeah, he's quite skilled in that that way. He he digs a ten foot hole in like an hour. It's not possible, but maybe he's got some like. Superpower digging superpower. I don't there. know.
0: I think people who are a little unstable have super strength. Just in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, except he me. He seems pretty. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, but to, to kind of get back on Hayden, she's an interesting character. How irredeemable she is. I don't think there's a single sympathetic scene. As, well, that's not true. There's very few sympathetic scenes with her, and even that is very quickly like uno reverse carded on you where she does something screwed up and you're like, oh, of course you're going to do that.
2: In later episodes, it's kind of implied that she might not have a good relationship with her family, but it kind of feels like that's just her interpretation of things is not necessarily the truth because her sister comes to the house looking for her and offhandedly Hayden comments that oh I thought you didn't care about me and that might be true but it might also just be Hayden's
1: way of justifying her anger
0: or trying to push her away
1: she's definitely unreliable like she's not really an unreliable narrator because she's not really the narrator but you can't really Believe anything she says.
2: Yeah, and I think when we were watching, Grace had made a comment that unfortunately this actress seems to get these same type of roles most of the time.
0: Oh, that was our friend Cat. We were watching, and our friend Cat was like, "Man, I just hate this actress. She always plays the worst characters." That
2: was it. Yeah, sorry, I thought you would you would said that. No, maybe mentioned it. What 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 else has she?
0: She was in House of Cards.
2: That's right. Yeah. Oh,
1: I haven't seen that. I
0: can check what else she's been in because I know she's been in more stuff. Her name is Kate Mara. I guess I should have been saying the actresses and actors I kind of forgot. Oh, she was in Fantastic Four.
1: Oh, was she? Oh, she was uh Invisible Woman, right?
0: It says Sue Storm.
1: Yeah, that's who that is. Okay. That's in the 20, the
2: more recent...
0: 2015.
2: Right. Jessica Alba was the one in the mid-2000s.
0: She was also in a recent movie called A Teacher, where she has an affair with a young student that I keep seeing commercials for, but I haven't seen it.
1: They can really good roles. Well, I mean, they're not necessarily bad roles, but they're very intense roles and
2: uh sort of a parallel but and a spoiler for house of cards but she's in that show and dies fairly early as well
0: i only saw one episode which is why i remember her more i guess all i remember is kevin spacey a rowing machine and hayden from american horror story i was really compelled (laughs) it's a good show i believe you I don't know. I think now it's kind of hard to go back. No. No? All right. a good show. Okay.
1: Look, Kevin Spacey's not the only character. That's all I'm going to
2: say.
0: Yeah.
1: I think being able to disconnect the actor from the character is hard to do, though. I get what you're saying, Grace, but...
0: I mean, all of our episodes so far have required us to do a little bit of that. So it's not like even Ryan Murphy, people have a lot of issues with him, too. But so it's not impossible to separate. Like what? I don't really know specifically. I didn't look into it.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> OK, cool.
0: I think they just think that he's very exploitative um, and Glee in retrospect was kind of problematic, but I liked Glee a lot. I don't know. Everyone's mad at everybody, I think.
1: Oh, did he do Glee? Yeah. Oh! Didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did Glee.
1: No. Wow. Interesting.
0: He did Americans to Horror Story, Glee, Pose, which is about I think drag queens. I haven't seen it. Um, nip tuck and a few other things.
1: How do you tuck the nip?
0: It's like a plastic surgery.
1: Okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was like botched. No,
0: no, it's like a drama. I don't know. I haven't watched that either.
1: There's a drama
2: about plastic surgeons... That could work. I mean, you can make a drama out of most things.
0: Yeah. Episode four is Halloween part one. A flashback shows a couple, Chad and Patrick, who own the house in 2010. There's a lot of tension between the two because Chad is very invested in home improvement and decor, where Patrick is more interested in having a passionate and physical relationship. Chad discovers that Patrick has been cheating on him and confronts him. Patrick storms off and the rubber man which is the man in the black latex gib suit, appears and Chad assumes it's Patrick's Halloween costume. The rubber man attacks Chad and murders him. Patrick re-enters the room and sees what has happened and then they roll to credits so we don't actually get to see what happens next. Back in the present, Larry demands money for killing and burying Hayden, and Ben refuses. At the Langdon house, Addie is reading a Halloween picture book with Travis, Constance's much younger boyfriend. Addie tells Constance that she wants to be a pretty girl for Halloween instead of wearing her old Snoopy costume. Constance gets angry and locks Addie away in a closet with a bunch of mirrors and says that she will never be a pretty girl. Constance also accuses Travis of being inappropriate with Addie. Later, Constance apologizes to Addie and gives her a creepy rubber Halloween mask that kind of looks like a Barbie's face. Addie is happy and goes trick-or-treating by herself. She is bullied by some kids and accidentally runs into traffic. Addie is hit by a car. Constance attempts to get her to the Harmon's lawn before she dies so Addie will become a ghost, but she fails. In the basement, Tate tells Violet that the creature in the basement is called the Infantata and it is Dr. Charles Montgomery and Nora's son. Their child was kidnapped, killed, and dismembered by an angry husband who found out Charles performed an abortion on his wife. Charles attempts to bring the baby back to life using animal parts. Nora, after seeing what Charles has done, killed the infantata, Charles, and then herself. The ghosts of Chad and Patrick show up at the house posing as decorators to help sell the house. Chad, Ben, Vivian, and Patrick carve pumpkins together and Patrick accidentally cuts his hand. Ben takes him to the bathroom where Patrick attempts and fails to seduce Ben. Chad and Vivian talk and Chad confides that he found out that Patrick was unfaithful by checking the phone bill. Vivian does the same and realizes Ben has sent several text messages to Hayden, but Ben insists that he and Hayden are over. Vivian and Ben go to the hospital after Vivian's baby kicks, even though it is only eight weeks old. The nurse discovers the baby is more developed than it should be, and she faints after seeing it on an ultrasound. On Halloween night, ghosts can leave the house. Moira goes to the hospital to visit her mother, who is on life support. Moira disconnects the machine and she is able to speak to her mother's spirit briefly, but she is unable to pass on with her. When Vivian and Ben return home from the hospital, they found the house is broken into and Violet is missing. Ben opens the front door and sees Hayden standing there waiting for him, covered in dirt.
1: I just want to say that scene where Moira disconnects the machine to her mom is the saddest scene in the whole season.
0: Second only to Addie dying.
1: Yes, that one was rough too, and... Uh, That's the character we're talking about.
0: Let's talk about Adelaide, a.k.a. Addie Langdon.
1: Really the only innocent character in all this season. Who has a pretty deep fascination and connection with the house that I didn't find explained really. She she does seem to like being there because I
2: think that in a way she kind of likes messing with the, the Harmons and also I think that she enjoys spending some time with her, the, the ghost of her brother, Beau.
0: Yeah, and I think she really does like Violet. Violet's really kind to her and she even gives her um, a little makeover.
2: Yeah, that was really sweet. She's got some pretty good lines. There are quite a few that... I know we, we quoted it as the season went on, but...
0: Can I pet your dog?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. It's so cute. I have
0: to stop myself from quoting it when I go to people's houses. Because they have no idea what I'm talking about.
1: I've wanted to just start saying it, even if it doesn't make sense to say it. Like, just in the middle of the office. Can I pet your dog? And then everyone would think I'm crazy, but I think that would be worth it.
0: And when Violet asks her if she's a virgin, and she goes, hell no...
1: yeah it's a shame that she's killed off so early on and then not that i wanted her to be a ghost in the house but like we don't we don't get to see any more of her because she was a a nice like reprieve after everything else that's so screwed up and like traumatic she has some not like any anytime she's with constance it's not great either because Constance is very emotionally abusive towards her, um especially with like the pretty lady thing where who cares if she wants to put makeup on and go out like who no one's gonna Constance is very old fashioned in or just very um Constance is very judgmental, I guess, and thinks everyone else is, but yeah Eddie. Ad- would have been totally fine going out in the world with pretty girl makeup on
2: in a lot of ways Constance can't decide whether she's ashamed or prideful of the fact that she has had to raise children with disabilities she can't really she oscillates a lot I think between those two concepts and uses them both in the same argument when she's having an out with Addie which is just a a total assault I think to anybody but she doesn't deserve it clearly um Addie is, she's a little devious, but I think she's just, she, she's trying to have fun, really, uh, when it comes down to it. It's not anything that's necessarily mean-spirited, it's just about her, her version of fun, uh, which has a little bit of a, a, little twist to it, but it, you know, it, it's, it's still fairly innocent. And I will say, kind of going back to the, the line about the dog, I was thinking about it a little bit, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about it, but... Constance has a dog, and it seems that they don't... She doesn't interact with that dog all that much. And we're also shown later that they had a bunch of dogs at one point when Constance, Tate, and uh, Addie lived in the house. So I don't really know if she wanted to actually play with the dog or if she was more interested in something else. I'm not entirely sure.
0: Knowing Constance, she probably didn't let her play with the dogs.
2: That's a good point. You're probably right about that, so...
0: Just a thing that I don't want anyone to assume, I guess, um, and maybe we can cut this, I don't know, but Addie is a great character and she's not comic relief. I think people might think just because she's got some great lines and some funny scenes. Um, I think that she's, I mean, I can't speak for anyone, but she she's treated respectfully in the show and is a dynamic character, so.
2: Yeah, and I don't think that they intended for you to find humor with anything that she's really doing. They're not making fun of her. But I think that she kind of shows in moments the absurdity of certain characters, not, not herself. She's more of, she's a good mirror for a lot of people to really show the, the ways in, in which they're just not right.
0: Yeah, none of the jokes are at her expense. They're all just because she has really good timing and a lack of a filter. But again, that's not because of her having Down syndrome. It's just that she's a really funny character. And I'm glad that that actress is in other seasons as well. Uh, Jamie Brewer. She's awesome in Coven, too.
1: She's one of the kinder characters in the show. And she always had a connection with the house. Was Bo killed when she was really young?
0: No, Bo was killed... By Larry when they were teenagers. Because Tate was still alive. Or, spoiler alert. But um, we're about to get to that anyway.
1: Yeah. Um Well, so, like, that's why I'm still hung up on her being so connected with the house. Because she warns the boys not to go in the house in, like, the first 30 seconds of the first episode. But... It's never really explained why she has this, like, sagely knowledge of the house. Unless she's just connected some way, like, spiritually but i don't really get why maybe the implication is that from the beginning of her life she
2: always found comfort there and she just knows the personality of the house more than anybody and i think that in the pilot she's not necessarily warning the twins that they're they shouldn't go in there i think she's more or less just saying that that's what's going to happen she, that she just because she just she says, says like you're gonna, you're gonna die, die in there, in there. And it's a little ominous, a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's it's foreshadowing, but it's not to say oh, don't go in there. It's just that you're going to die in there. I, I know it. It's a fact.
1: Yeah, I guess. It seems a little semantic-y to me because I think if someone were to tell me if you go in through that door, you're going to die, I'm like, oh, okay, then I'm not going in that door.
2: I mean, why would she want to stop them when they're actively destroying the oh. house? I think that from my point of view, she she might have assumed it as payback for what they've done you know they were breaking
1: windows they were throwing throwing rocks at the house she doesn't really seem like the the vengeful kind of character though but i agree that she seems to kind of care about the house but then on the other side it's weird that she didn't want to be with the house when she's dying she says she's glad she didn't die on the lawn when um the spiritualist says that she's talking to Addie and says that she's happy that she didn't die there because she was afraid of Tate or whatever.
2: Right, and the problem is that we don't actually see Addie saying that. We only
1: get what the psychic says.
0: I think we're supposed to assume that she's, like the psychic is saying the truth.
1: Yeah, I, no, nothing from the psychic leads me to believe that she would lie about it because if there was any thought that she couldn't actually talk to ghosts or do anything supernatural she talks this is kind of a spoiler but she talks to violet like telepathically later on in the series it's just weird i don't i'm probably just getting hung up on it or it's just meant to be some kind of (sighs) character point i guess she could have,
2: if in a way, she could have been saying it as, as more of a kindness to Constance that she would have one less reason to stay in the area. You know, she wouldn't be as tied to the property because she wouldn't have all of her children or at least three out of four as ghosts in the murder house but she did want her on the property right but but addy was saying that in this situation it was better than the alternative it, it's it's better that she wasn't there yeah i i, I you're right well i, I don't want to be right I, I i don't know if it's even true but i think it's maybe a more positive spin that you can put on it yeah because their relationship is so strained and so conflicting because you have i would say 70 to 80% of just pure negativity and and a lot of misplaced anger on Constance's part and then you have these really touching and special moments where Eddie is dying and then when Constance gets to have a bit of a communication with her in the afterlife and it's it's just hard to really pin it down to to one way to feel about it or one way to really interpret it which i think is good for the show but it's a little bit
1: makes it difficult to analyze uh as a group but yeah constance is a very complicated character especially with addy where she's like you said walker very negative and nasty 70 to 80 percent of the time but that other 40 percent, she seems to really care about addy but even when she's doing something nice for her, or something that she thinks is nice, like giving Addie a rubber Halloween mask to cover her face, which is I guess better than the world seeing Addie's real face. I don't know. It it's it's kind of with the characters shown as like a nice wholesome scene, but it's it's very it, it was really dark, I think.
0: Yeah, even when we were watching it, Chris, you were like, am I supposed to feel happy about this? Like, is this a nice gift? What are What are we supposed to be feeling right now? Because I don't feel anything.
1: Right. I was like, I, w- I was really conflicted. Because Addie seemed happy about it and Constant was happy to give it to her. But she shouldn't have to wear the mask. And I didn't know if it was how it was written or how it was directed or what. But it was a very gray scene.
0: I mean, I think it probably was... I think we were supposed to feel that way. Like, everyone in this scenario is smiling, but it's not happy.
2: Yeah, All right. so Adelaide gone too soon, but never forgotten.
0: She's petting dogs in the sky. Can I pet your dog? (laughs) It's how my brain works, too. If someone's talking to me, I'll just be like, blah, 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 blah. Can I pet your dog?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if there's a dog in the room, I'm not going to be, like focused on you i'm looking at that dog i want to pet that dog too
0: all right so episode five which is called halloween part two Tate and Violet are revealed to have gone out on a date and Violet calls Vivian to assure her that she is safe. Tate and Violet are confronted by five mutilated teenagers who harass him. After Ben shuts the door on Hayden, he sees Larry skulking around outside. Ben believes that Hayden's murder was staged and that she and Larry are attempting to extort him. Larry realizes that Hayden is a ghost, but Ben doesn't believe him and threatens to kill Larry. Ben finds Hayden and she does reveal to him that she is dead. Hayden confronts Vivian and they find out that they are both pregnant. Ben is forced to admit that he impregnated Hayden months after Vivian discovered the affair and he said that he had ended things. Hayden is then arrested, but she disappears from the security guard's car after they leave the property and he's way too calm about it and doesn't follow up. The teens show back up at the house and berate Tate and Violet some more. Tate sprints away, so they will chase him instead of bothering Violet. The group catch up with Tate and reveal that they are ghosts of the people Tate had killed. The ghosts try to find out why Tate killed them, but Tate cannot remember anything. That night, Violet goes to Constance's house. She tells Violet that Addie is dead and that Tate is her son. So now I think it's time to talk about Violet.
1: Like, you were kind of saying, Walker, you find her to be, like, the most main character of the three yeah i still stand
2: by that but i i understand that it's there can be a difference of opinion because really that i don't know that the show ever wants you to assume any one person is the main character they do a good job trying to balance the ensemble at, at all times keeping those plates spinning and
1: whatnot
0: i love ensemble shows so you'll probably get more of that from me
1: <laughs> nothing wrong with that i do think they're the three main players in the story though because nothing really happens without it affecting them, or directly affecting them. That's a good point. Yeah, or indirectly affecting them. Yeah, Violet is very, very much a teenager. She's very dark, very broody. She's smart, but she's also kind of naive, I guess. She, it, her relationship with Tate is so weird. In that you, how has she not heard about? Anything that happened previous to her going there at that school or...
0: If I were in her position and I related to her a lot when I was younger, I probably would have looked up any, like, horrible crimes that happened around me. So I would be more well-versed in what's going on and... It's hard to have these shows when Google exists.
1: She uses, like, a Google equivalent, though, to find out later on.
0: What did they call it? It was funny.
1: I think maybe Circles or something.
0: Circle Search or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre.
0: I love fake Google.
1: Yeah, fake Google names or fake, like, brand names are so funny in shows like that. They're always so on the nose. I just find it such a weird plot hole. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not a plot hole, but I kind of think it is that the parents didn't know that this happened that ben didn't know what happened all of this seems like it could have been found out earlier
2: and and no characters really bring up what happened aside from the ghosts of the
1: teenagers no one ever says oh such and such high school don't you know what happened there violet is kind of rough on the outside pretty soft on the inside i guess because she, she is very blunt to her parents and to, like, the bullies at school. But she ends up be, like befriending the bully after she gets attacked in the basement. And she like we talked about earlier, she's really kind to Addie. Um, and she was seemingly pretty upset about what was going on with the teenagers. That were harassing her and Tate.
0: Yeah, I think Tate is her weak point, but I can't blame her for it because Tate is the only person that gives her attention and thinks that she's special. I mean, I suppose her parents do, but kind of in that way where they're like, oh, she's really smart. She's going to get into a good college, not... I wonder what my child is interested in. I wonder, you know, she, she likes this music. Like maybe I'll talk to her about music. Maybe I'll talk to her about X, Y, and Z. So she doesn't, you know.
2: Yeah. At one point, I think Ben even makes fun of her in a way because he's talking about this sort of fantasy of when they move into the new house and how Violet's sitting next to the fire, reading some depressing Russian novel. Like, Oh, I don't understand it. I'm going to make fun of it and this really shows the the clear disconnect that I think that she has with her parents. I don't really know why they don't make an effort to understand her. It seems like bad parenting. They they care about her, but they don't care about what she cares about.
0: Yeah, and I mean she does push them away, but I mean, I think any a vicious any, cycle. Yeah, I think any parent, especially one that is a psychiatrist would know that that means that they're hurting, and you kind of want to keep digging a little bit, but they don't.
1: It's interesting that Ben, the psychiatrist, is way more disconnected emotionally from Violet than Vivian is. When even Vivian doesn't check in with her as much as she probably should, especially with everything going on. Um, she checks in like after something happens, but not never like. Just to do it, you know? But, yeah, to your point, Grace, Violet makes it kind of difficult. She can be pretty nasty, too. And, weirdly, she... It's almost like she flips a coin if she's going to be mean to her mom or nice to her mom in that scene. Because she's either calling her mom weak or a coward. Or, the next scene, she's like, oh, wow, she's actually pretty strong and uh, pretty tough. And it's like, well... Which is it?
0: Yeah, I think it kind of depends on what she wants at the time. She is kind of a manipulative character, but nowhere near Hayden Levels.
1: Well, it's got a conscience. Hayden doesn't. I will say
2: that the scene in this episode where Tate runs away to have all the other teenagers run after him, I thought was unintentionally kind of funny <laughs> because he his his whole line is "Let's see how fast you can run," and I think that that was supposed to sound kind of like cool or something, but it's just kind of like very childish. Yeah, it was almost like a cartoon... Getting back to the dynamic to w- between Tate and Violet, because really, I think he is the one character that she interacts with the most. Uh, I don't know if this was something that the actress had to learn, but she really has uh, cued into that sort of doe-eyed expression that she gets with him, and I think it unfortunately helps with the audience sort of emotionally latching on to Tate and his plight and the unfortunate things that have happened to him, even though, as we'll get into, that might not be the
1: best idea. So I think trap is the best way to describe Tate with, especially with Violet, because him him and Ben get into it later on, but he is very charming, very charismatic, but also like very manipulative at the same time no question
0: a uh a little fun fact about the actress that plays violet her sister who's a little bit older than her plays norman bates's mom in bates motel and also um is it lorraine warren whoever's in the the conjuring the psychic yes. yeah yeah
1: oh that's her yeah, that's her sister mm-hmm. oh whoa that's weird yeah. that's crazy i guess they all like dark stuff hmm Family of actors. What a fun family that must be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they said um, their parents were Ukrainian immigrants, so maybe there's some some darkness they can kind of...
1: Conjure up there.
0: Yeah, I looked up her name. I thought it was Tasia, but I think it's Taisha something. Uh, Let me me listen to it because I feel bad if I pronounced it wrong. Taisha? Farmiga. That's fun. Well, she's a good actress and she's in other... um, Both of them are pretty good. And she's in other seasons as well, the character who plays Violet.
1: Yeah, I think she's the best honestly the best actress in the uh well no i mean jessica lang's really good um but she, she's very good
0: yeah i would say her evan peters and jessica lang are the best actress and actors
1: vivian and ben seemed pretty blah to me those actors but um violet kind of played off both of them pretty well though
0: I think part of it could be the writing. They have to say pretty ridiculous things, but so do all of them. And some people can pull it off and some people can't. All right, episode six. Episode six, titled Piggy Piggy. Flashback to 1994. Tate shoots and kills several students in his high school, including the five teenagers seen in the previous episodes. There are elements in the scene that closely mimic the Columbine school shooting. A SWAT team storms the Langdon household, looking to arrest Tate. Tate pulls a gun and is shot dead by the SWAT team. All of this occurs in the murder house, which was owned by Constance at the time. After Violet finds out Tate killed the teenagers, Constance introduces her to a medium, Billy Dean Howard played by Sarah Paulson. Billy and Constance explain that Tate is unaware that he is dead. Constance has been sending him to Ben, hoping it will help him pass on, and they need Violet's help. Ben sees a new patient named Derek, who is terrified by urban legends including the piggy man who will slaughter anyone who repeats a specific mantra in the mirror kind of like bloody mary taking ben's advice to face his fear derek repeats the mantra in his bathroom mirror but is shot and killed by an armed burglar hiding in the shower ben also begins noticing that vivian has developed an attraction to the security officer luke constance and moira convince vivian to eat sweetbreads aka awful aka calf pancreas She claims it will help with the pregnancy. Vivian then contacts the ultrasound technician who fainted during the ultrasound, and she claims that the baby she saw was the Mm -hmm. devil. Violet tries to confront Tate in the basement, but is mobbed by the other ghosts. Overwhelmed, she attempts suicide by taking several sleeping pills given to her by Leah, but Tate attempts to save her by forcing her to vomit the pills. Later, Tate tearfully confesses that he loves her and cannot understand why she has turned cold towards him. He plans to leave her alone if that's what she wants, but she comforts him constance speaks to addie through billy dean she learns that addie is glad she was not revived as a ghost because she is afraid of tate after learning what he did
1: um well speaking of tate
0: let's finally talk about him
1: we're talking about tate langdon played by evan peters
0: that's correct
1: i remember liking him a lot more the first time around i watched him uh this time I just saw him as a walking red flag, (laughs) Um, which it's different because I know what he did and I know what he's about, I guess. But in the scenes where he seemed to be in the scenes where he was interacting with Violet and it was sweet and I really was just unnerved the whole time, which maybe was the intent. But uh, yeah, he, he makes me very uncomfortable
0: yeah I think Tate is a good litmus test um of your maturity when you're watching the show because when I first saw the show and when a lot of people first saw the show they you know thought Tate was really attractive and like at the beginning kind of an ideal boyfriend the guy that kind of gets you but after knowing what he did or just being a little older you see that there's a lot of red flags and manipulation going on but even when I was watching it I was like man my my lizard brain is not fully able to not have a crush on tate just a little bit
1: i mean evan peters is a good looking guy he's got a nice smile so i get it but he's also a psychopath in the show which is like ooh, you know big yikes yeah (laughs) um
0: are you gonna i'm thinking okay
1: it's never really explained why tate did what he did unless it's just because he's like a psychopath but i don't think that would really change when he becomes a ghost He's like, he has moments where it seems like he genuinely cares about someone or something, but then he'll go and murder somebody the next second and saying that he changed or that's not him anymore. I don't know if it's just bad writing or what, but the character really flips a lot, being a sympathetic guy to immediately going and killing somebody, like almost in the next scene.
2: Yeah, when he's alive, he has to deal with the pressure of being... Constance's perfect son or perfect child, and because he doesn't really want to play along with that game, he denies her of that, but I think his personality, on its own, prohibits him from, from being that that child, that sort of golden boy. Uh, it's just not meant to be for him.
1: Yeah, he, he Tate was the only child of Constance not born with some kind of disability but he's also the the darkest cuz Bo his older brother I think he was chained up in the attic and he looked kind of scary I guess but it, it's said that he was a very sweet guy just didn't look like everybody else and then Addie obviously was a sweetheart and we don't know about the other kid but Tate was not like his siblings in a lot of ways
0: yeah, you could almost argue that him being a psychopath means that she didn't have any typical children.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that's what I'm kind of confused on. If he was just born that way or if that was from how Constance raised him because Constance is no Peach herself. <laughs> um, but, like, Addie and Bo are seemingly, like, they, 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 were, they were good. You know, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't hurt anybody, but Tate almost seemingly can't stop hurting or killing people. Like, it's in his nature, which is, uh... Yeah, the one
2: kid you should have locked in the attic. Right, yeah.
0: But then it's kind of a nature versus nurture. Maybe he'd only be worse if you did.
2: Right, we don't know. Do we know if... The background music, the whistling, is that a song that's being whistled, or is it specific for the show?
0: It's from Kill Bill. Is it? I don't, yeah.
1: Are you saying, like, is a character whistling it, or if it's just like, like a... No, 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 you remember in the...
0: The uh, school shooting scene.
1: Right, in mm. the background, there's the tune that's being whistled. Mm-hmm.
0: It's from Kill Bill. Mm. I don't know why.
1: I think it's just kind of creepy, I guess. So, in some of the flashbacks, he's shown to have like all these tattoos and makeup on, it's like a skeleton, and then he doesn't have it. Was it just to be cool for that shot? I don't get it. I mean, I think
2: it could be seen as how he interprets himself as this, you know, righteous, angel of death type character. And it is very well done, the makeup. It's it's a good mixture between sort of the... What's the name for... During the the Day of the Dead. What's that? There's like a specific name for that style of skull that's that's done and it kind of... Sugar skull? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like a,
1: a combination of that and an anatomical skull. Well, I think it's based off um, that model's makeup or tattoos uh zombie boy i think i don't know if i know who that is i'm sure you've seen him uh he passed away a couple years ago but he had the full body tattoos and it was like the skull on the face and it was all black and white
0: i remember after american horror story everyone was obsessed with doing that makeup for halloween
1: yeah so it's revealed early on that tate was the gimp boy
0: (laughs) (laughs) are we sure we're gonna go with (laughs) that one (laughs)
1: Chris it's Gimp man. Well, cause Tate's a high school what is he a high school kid? Yeah. I guess he is. Um it's revealed early on that Tate is the Gimp man who raped Vivian, um, killed the killed Chad and Patrick. The previous owners, yep. Previous owners. And basically been terrorizing the house why he's obsessed with the latex i don't know second why does he get super strength when he wears the gimp suit he's able to overpower patrick who i think is a physical trainer and when you see evan peters and him side by side patrick is way bigger than tate but tate is like manhandling everybody in the show aside from ben when they fight later and ben kind of gives him a run for his money But I don't know if it's just for the sake of the scene that he gets super strength or if he's a ghost, he gets super strength, but he, he breaks Chad's neck in like five seconds and I don't think that's very easy to do. Yeah. It's like opening a jar of pickles or something. I don't know. Yeah,
2: It's it's never explained, and it is almost a plot hole in a way, but it's just sort of how things are, and I guess as an audience member, you have to sort of accept that as being par for the course in this universe that the show is creating.
0: It's the same with Larry digging the hole.
2: Right, those sort of inconsistencies, or things you would assume to not be the way that they are.
1: Yeah, I I guess. It just, it seems like it was made just for that plot point to happen, because... Sure, there's some strong 17, 16-year-old kids, but I don't think they're going to be tossing as big of a guy as Patrick around like that
2: right and you could argue that there are certain ways to grapple where you can use a person's body weight and momentum against them etc cetera, etc cetera. but just from the way that the shots are set up it's very obvious that there's something more to Tate's strength than, than what you assume
1: yeah it, like I don't think Tate was practicing like karate in like Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> stuff like that but I don't know. It's it's really not that important. It's just frustrating that they just, like, throw that in just so he can be the one that murders these guys. Like, if he just shot him or something, okay but that's just a disconnect for me.
2: Yeah, and it kind of comes down to the tools that he has at his disposal. I guess you could say that he has actual... There's knives and things that he could have used. And, I mean, he has the fire poker, which he doesn't necessarily use to kill them, only to to brutalize Patrick. And I think, circling back to your question about the suit, the gimp suit, I think it kind of comes from a a need of anonymity. Tate doesn't really want to be visible seen as the killer to these these victims he he still wants to preserve his own i guess justifiable um insecurity about the whole thing and he he knows well i think what i mean by that is that he knows he has a problem but he can't
1: help himself and he's i think ashamed of that like jeffrey dahmer except tate isn't eating people I think
0: maybe that's why he has the skull makeup on. Another form of costuming,
2: right? But and that's more of a mental thing. But yeah, it it kind of helps him be uh, removed from his actions.
0: So do we think that he knows he's a ghost, and or that he knows he did the school shooting? Because it's not, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't seem a hundred percent clear whether he knows it and is pretending not to, or the other way around—that he really does like not know he's a ghost and not know that he killed people
1: um i i i believe he doesn't know when he gets confronted by the five students he killed on halloween but after that absolutely he starts like putting the pieces together I think it's interesting, too,
2: not to kind of get off topic but and to get into... This is more of a, uh, a, a nitpick, because I think he actually killed around 15 individuals, but only these five ghosts show up. I, I don't really know um, the reason behind that. I think it would have been more impactful to have a bigger group, possibly, but just to kind of show visually a better representation of the kind of actions that he had committed.
0: When he first talks to Ben... When they're doing their first session, he kind of talks about how he has a fantasy of shooting up a school, and he said that he shoots the people he likes because he doesn't want them to suffer in the world. So maybe the first people that he killed were his friends.
2: I think that's all BS. I agree. But
0: yeah, no, I 100% don't think that that's a normal thing to do.
2: Well, I think that it could be something that if you were to write a character that did that, it's possible you could incorporate that and have more depth that way. But I think as the way that Tate is written, it doesn't really jive. And I also want was going to say that it's hard to tell if he knows or in is in denial or doesn't know. And I think for me, what really muddied the water was when Addie died, and Constance said to Violet, you can't tell him that sh- his sister's dead. It's going to affect him negatively. And I think it's interesting because I get the feeling that most of these spirits aren't as, they don't take things that happen as strongly as somebody who's alive. So if something goes on, they're not as immediately thrown off by it. It's sort of like they're more willing to go with the flow of things as opposed to stirring stirring up issues. Well, I don't know. I don't know no think about it maybe or not. No, I'm, I think I'm, you're right. I, I think know.
0: maybe they take it a little bit more in stride because they're dead too. Yeah. There's definitely something there.
2: So her implication that it was this him knowing that Addie's dead would push him over was kind of interesting. I don't really know what she thought would happen or if she was still thinking of him as a, a child and wanting to preserve that idea or under the belief that it would change him in her mind or,
1: or something.
0: Yeah, maybe she was worried for her own safety that she thought tate would come after her but he can't do that unless she's in the house
1: right or on halloween maybe but i don't think he even knows he's dead at that point but that's a another big plot hole i kind of have with the show is how the ghosts work work in the house because tate's dad he's killed in the house with moira like practically at the same time where is he why is he not in the house you know and he, Tate, at one point says he never knew his dad, that he ran away when he was young or something. But after they both pass, they should have met at some point.
0: Yeah, that makes no sense.
1: They try to clean up by, I think, saying
2: that the ghosts sort of decide who they appear to. I don't know if that applies to which spirits they also can appear to, but they are sort of playing fast and loose with what the rules are. We don't know how and why they show up sometimes, because a lot of times they're very confused. Like when, who's the Montgomery, what's, her name nora nora when nora shows up she doesn't really know what's
1: going on she's not 100% glued into the situation and which is odd that she's been dead the longest in the house right she if anybody should know what's going on it's her but she's in such massive denial i guess that she is held on to her being alive for what like a century almost Right.
2: So she comes in, doesn't know really what's going on, but then we have Hayden, and she immediately knows she's dead and wants to start stuff with the other spirits, and it's it's all just sort of vaguely guided. There's also not a huge explanation as far as
1: how much or how little they can interact with the people and things within the house seems like if they want to interact, they can interact fully. They're basically still alive in the house, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that Tate is able to impregnate Vivian means that they're pretty much 100% in a physical form in the house. Doesn't get much more uh, intimate is the wrong word, but the word I'm going with...
2: But then Hayden says that she can't get pregnant. So how is it that Tate can get
1: Vivian pregnant? Well, because
0: Vivian's alive.
1: But Tate's dead, so how would that work? Well, I think it's sort of explained that the baby that Vivian has from Tate is like an evil child. So it's like some... I don't know if that's more because of it's Tate or if that's because it's a ghost's ghost baby, uh, but... I think it has more to do with the house. But didn't Ben impregnate uh, Vivian at the same time in the house? Well,
2: not the same... Was it the same night, or was it a night apart? I think...
0: Yeah, so... No, it's the same day, because they had sex um, after their stupid fight in the afternoon. Maybe it was the next day, but that's... It's when he's sleepwalking. (laughs) It's the same day, or the same couple of days. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any sense that Hayden can't get pregnant, because...
2: Because Hayden and the guy that's seeing um, Constance, what's his name? Travis. Travis. They have sex, but sh- Hayden says, oh, I can't get pregnant, so...
0: Not to mention she dies and she is pregnant. Yep, so... Very unclear, yeah.
2: And it's not integral and it doesn't really affect this story all that much, but its it still kind of leaves you with a little bit of, well, yeah, you didn't explain it, but also maybe you should have or given a little bit more definition to what's going on.
0: If any of our listeners have theories, then uh, please let us know on some of our social media posts because I love a deep dive or fan theories. Yeah, that one theory that I found on Reddit about Moira's body, that was pretty good. I I liked it. It gave me a little bit of closure because I was like, why is she so upset that her body is... On the premises, like, people had their bodies taken out, and they're still exactly where they are, right. so... then,
1: but then kind of off of that, why are the nurses still there? Sure, they died pretty unfortunately. No, they died very, you know, like, unceremoniously, but why... It, the guy got caught, it's because there's fans of his and their bodies got found, so what is their business there still?
2: Right, what more could they do to have closure? That's that's another aspect that is a bit unclear, and I think maybe you could say that a somewhat satisfying or maybe more palatable explanation is that the spirits don't really abide by the same rules of time. So that's kind of a way to to explain these issues. You know, they don't really have the same tether to this reality as the people that are living in the house because they don't change, they don't age. And I think that the way that they perceive things is going to be a lot different than somebody who's actually alive.
0: Yeah, and there's no, this is kind of another plot hole, there's no continuity in how the spirits look, because some of them look just as they did when they died, and some of them, especially Tate, like, he changes clothes. He, when you see him shirtless, you don't see any bullet wounds, you, all these things, and then Nora has a gaping hole in the back of her head, and the nurses are still dressed exactly how they were when they died.
1: And Moira is a huge one, where she died very young, but looks... Like she's aged ever since that day. I guess that could be explained. Because a big part of her character is to kind of bring out this, I guess, instinctual reaction from men. And I, I guess it would be tougher to do that as a 70-year-old woman. I don't know, with a, a, a bullet hole in her eye. But it, it it's not explained if it's just like... She chooses to look like that to certain people or uh, it's the house doing that to her or why that's happening.
0: I looked it up because that was one of the more frustrating things that we all kind of agreed on. And people had different interpretations. They were saying that all the ghosts appear how they want to appear, which sometimes makes sense, sometimes doesn't.
1: But th- living that doesn't make sense because Nora doesn't even know she's dead. So why would she have a bullet hole in the back of her head?
0: Yeah. And they were also saying something about Moira, like her soul continued to age, but that didn't really make sense. I mean, I guess she's more self-aware and a good person when compared to the other people, but...
1: I would kind of understand that because she knows she's dead, but she also has... A tether, I guess, with her mom that she knows that her mom is like, I don't know how long her mom was on the life support. I'm assuming for a while because I think that's why she was working was to take care of her mom. So she knew, even though that she's dead and trapped in this house, that her mom has been aging. Potentially, I don't know. That could be a reason. Like, off of the, her spirit was aging, which is the only answer that really makes sense to me. But still, at the end of the day, it is like Walker was saying, very fast and loose with the rules.
0: For sure. I think someone had the idea of Moira, and everyone liked it so much that they said, you know, continuity be damned, this is a good idea. And I pretty much agree with them. I would like more explanations, but, you know, I'd rather have Moira than a plot that made sense.
1: I like Moira. Moira was a really good character. Well, that's all I had to say about Tate. <laughs> we haven't talked about Tate in a little while. Well, we talked about Tate, what that was it? Oh my god. Yeah, um... Who? Yeah, who's this man?
0: Okay, so episode seven is titled Open House. A flashback shows that in 1994, Constance has a son, Beau, that is kept chained in the house attic because of his appearance and mental capacity. Constance learns that he may be taken away, so she convinces Larry, her boyfriend at the time, to smother Beau in order to prevent him from being taken away. Violet takes solace in Tate who reveals he is aware of the ghosts and says they will not harm her if she tells them to leave her alone. He shows her some old photographs he found of the Montgomerys. Violet shows Vivian, and Vivian realizes the ghost of Nora was posing as a prospective buyer. Vivian also learns after a phone call that she is pregnant with twins. A sleazy developer becomes interested in the house and reveals his plan to tear down the gazebo and build a pool, leading young Moira to seduce him in hopes that he will buy the property and find her remains. Ben confronts Larry at the home and learns that Larry's wife set herself and her daughters on fire in the house after he confesses that he was leaving them for Constance and that he wants to stay in the house so he can live there with Constance and her children. Larry says that he still wants the home so he and Constance can be together again. Ben mocks him by saying the developer will buy the house and tear it down to build condominiums. Constance learns of this and attempts to appeal to the developer, but he cruelly rebuffs her. She informs Moira that he lied to her about the gazebo and intends to build the condos instead, which would seal Moira on the grounds forever. Moira and Constance put aside their animosity and with Larry's help, they lead the developer into the basement and suffocate him. They quickly take him off the grounds though, so he doesn't die in the house. That was the summary of the episode. Not a, not a whole lot happens. I think this was actually one of the ones that was like not regarded as very good, but I did want to talk about the Montgomery's because we hear the full story of how they ended up dying in the house.
2: Let me just say, I don't know if this really matters, but I feel like their little side business or what they had to resort to as far as giving these illegal abortions, I don't know that it would financially support their lifestyle because they were, to me, very much the top of the top as far as all the different furnishings that they had, the house itself, and the type of lifestyle that it seemed that they both wanted so to me i I don't doubt that these women were not paying pretty decent sums but i don't know that it would have been enough
1: but was it really even supporting them because i don't know when it's shown but Nora is complaining that she has to polish her own spoons
2: I think that what happens is that that is assumed to be uh, a decent fix, but I think what happens is that maybe that all tapers off because the husband, I'm forgetting his name. Charles. Charles. Charles becomes more involved with his own bizarre experiments because he's so much under the influence of, I forget what what the, the drug that he's abusing.
0: Yeah, it said an- anesthesia. I don't know what exactly. It's some sort of like inhalant.
2: I would assume it's something that he's soaking on that mask. I don't know that it's... He's getting the fumes. He's he's more or less huffing it. So I think it could have been clearly something that, that he became dependent on and, for whatever reason, fueled this bizarre need or want to create, for lack of a better term, abominations. And I guess there's a, a way you can sort of draw strong connections between them and Ben and Vivian. Because, in a lot of ways, they, they kind of react the same way to, to the loss of a child i think you're right that
1: there are a lot of parallels i don't know if it's just like a product of the times or what but the montgomery's turn to some pretty messed up ways to cope with it i guess when vivian and ben are trying to just process through it in their own different ways but nora and charles are taking it to extremes
2: yeah, and it it's almost like you've got the reverse going on because Nora wants to be the more practical of the two and, and is really about seeing things for the way that they are. And Charles would rather take what's happening internally and kind of maybe put that out into
1: the, into the world. Yeah, Charles is trying to get some control back with it, with tinkering and, you know, mutilating these different bodies when Nora is... Unhinged, also, but in the sense that she knows that her life is like crumbling around her, but she knows she can't really do anything about it, I guess. Or isn't taking those steps to get control back.
0: Yeah, she really wants to, you know, keep up appearances. One of the things. I when I was looking up and I talked about this earlier was trying to look up whether or not you know the the show like kind of generally what their opinion on women were and the only real criticism was just how obsessed every woman or feminine character is with babies but I think that's a conscious thing where they're not having a bias towards women I think it's the house and the tragedy that happened in the house causing everyone to really obsess on it
1: it's like every motherly type character though is written with some baby related trauma you know like nora has her baby taken and (laughs) chopped up uh vivian has a miscarriage and then constance having her uh children with some kind of disability or deformity it's weird that it's such a like reoccurring thing with the women but moira doesn't experience anything like that but she got killed pretty early on yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a weird almost trope that they have going on
2: yeah and with so much death happening it seems that the only bit of hope is the pregnancy that vivian is going through so
0: yeah, that's a really good point. I did read some uh, critique about American Horror Story, and they called it American Abortion Story. That's a little much, but there are a lot of, you yeah, know, abortion themes, especially in this one.
2: My thought was that there's a lot of trauma naturally that happens, and I think there's no reason not to explore that as a, a topic or a, a focus for a TV show or any kind of media, really. So
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: There's the implication that because you are able to give life and the assumption is that that life is starting out pure, that there's a moment for redemption potentially, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the case.
0: And I think all the characters, with the exception of maybe Hayden, everyone is written with a lot of depth. It's not just quote unquote baby fever for everybody. And it's not for Hayden either. So I wouldn't see that as incredibly valid. It's just what the story is about. It's about pregnancy and yeah. different forms. Mm,
2: Hay- Hayden only, only cares about Hayden.
0: Hayden only cares about Hayden and maybe cares about making other people suffer. Alright, so the next episode is episode 8, titled Rubberman. It starts with a flashback that reveals Tate to be Rubberman, the person who impregnated Vivian. He was attempting to provide a distraught Nora with a baby. The outfit is revealed to be a fetish suit that Chad bought in hopes of reigniting his and Patrick's failing relationship because he found out that Patrick was having um, an affair with someone who was interested in BDSM, the infamous Jungle Jim 4322 at yahoo.com. So Tate wore the suit and killed Patrick and Chad after they decided not to have a child, hoping that a new family would move in and have a child that Nora could have instead. Moira gave Tate the couple's gun in order to make their deaths look like a murder-suicide.
2: Why does Tate care about giving Nora a child?
0: I think because Nora was kind of like a surrogate mother to him at one point because they do a flashback
2: when he was alive. Yeah,
0: yeah, when he was like a little boy, Thaddeus or the Infantata was scaring him, and she.
2: Yeah, you know, Nelly Furtada came in. And yes, it was a big big deal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal for him. Um, big moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's not. It's kind of a weird thing that he has an allegiance to her, but it's only when it's convenient.
2: Well, it's not. And it's not given as much screen time as you would think to really explain that motivation. Because you can draw the line, but it's a very thin one.
0: Yeah, because even when I was trying to remember the show before we watched it again, I was like, why did Tate kill Patrick and Chad? Is it just because he's a psycho or homophobic or something? And then it was like...
2: And he is, and he is.
0: Yeah. In the present, Hayden conspires with Nora to drive Vivian insane so they can each have one of her babies after she is committed to a mental asylum. They torment her and Vivian becomes very anxious. Moira, who dislikes Hayden, tells her about how the house is haunted and that people around her, notably Ben, are gaslighting her and manipulating her. She tells Vivian about the short story, The Yellow Wallpaper, about an abusive husband who drove his wife insane. Moira urges her to leave while she still can. Vivian thinks on this, and she wakes up Violet in the middle of the night to leave but they are confronted by the ghosts of the people who broke into their home and attempted to murder them. They run back into the house. Ben believes that Vivian is mentally unstable since the police found no evidence of the intruder's presence and he prohibits her from leaving the house under threat of legal action, believing she is trying to take Violet and the babies away from him. Although Violet saw the ghosts, she is afraid to leave Tate so she lies to Ben and says that she didn't see anything and that she believes her mom was hallucinating. Betrayed, Vivian later steals her realtor Marcy's handgun for protection. Hayden convinces Tate to attack Vivian in the rubber man's suit. During the attack, Vivian accidentally shoots Ben, who heard the commotion. He medicates her until the police arrive, and he is convinced that she is a danger to herself and others. Luke, the security guard, arrives, having received the panic alert, and he and Ben argue. However, Vivian's reaction to another poltergeist results in the police taking her away to be committed. Vivian is heartbroken but consoled that she can finally leave the house. Violet feels guilty because she lied, though Tate tells her, though Tate tells her that he'll always be there for her. So do we want to briefly talk about um, Chad and Patrick?
2: There's not much else to say about them other than the fact that I think Chad should get better friends. True.
1: She says that Patrick is a great guy and worth fighting for. In every case I see them interact, I think the exact opposite because Patrick kind of sucks.
2: And I think she also says to Chad that he should stop smothering Patrick with all this wallpaper and, and decorating and all this. It, she She's almost taking... Well, she she is taking Patrick's side in a way, which is odd.
0: Yeah, it's almost the anti-Moira, where Moira's like... You are 100% right all the time and you should fight for your individuality. This person is kind of like, oh, you're passionate about something? Well, it's annoying. If you want to keep this man who's such a great guy, you should stop doing what you're interested in. At least encourage compromise. Like maybe if she saw something in the relationship that seems salvageable, she could say, hey, well, maybe try to find something that you're both interested in and try to do that. But that's not what she's doing. She's straight up saying like, yeah, you really should stop decorating the home that you share. Even though it makes you happy and makes you feel like you live there.
2: Yeah, you're the problem. Stop being the problem. End of story.
0: And I've never told any of my friends who have relationship problems that. I don't think anyone would.
2: There's no reason for
1: it.
0: Even if your friend's kind of wrong, if they don't feel like it's a match, why would you force it?
1: Especially if he knows, pretty much knows that he's cheating too.
0: Right, yeah. What What is there to save?
1: Why? Why is he fighting for him when Patrick is the one cheating? That's hard to salvage.
2: And we'll never know who Jungle Jim
1: is.
0: Yeah, seems like he could be fun.
1: Probably tall guy or a small guy. He wants to like climb on people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or he wants people to climb on him.
2: There. There was also a bit of an oversight when Chad is confronting Patrick. I think Patrick says something about. Or no. Chad says that he. You know, he asks who Jungle Jim is, and then. Patrick says, oh, looking at my, uh, what was it? His phone history wasn't enough. He had to look at my email too. And it's clear that him and this other guy are talking on a chat room.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes chats are linked to your email, like AOL and AIM.
2: But it looked like it was a, a specific site that was hosting.
0: Yeah. So episode nine is titled Spooky Little Girl. A flashback in 1947 shows a dentist who lives and works out of the house putting a woman named Elizabeth Short under anesthesia. While she is unconscious, he sexually assaults her and accidentally kills her. The ghost of Dr. Montgomery appears and helps a dentist dismember Elizabeth, and her remains are later found in a field. Her name and the crime scene mimic the famous true crime cold case, the Black Dahlia. The ghost of Elizabeth Short appears to Ben and poses as a prospective patient. She says that she is an actress and has always dreamed of being famous but she has overwhelming anxiety. She asks Ben if he can treat her, but she says that she doesn't have any money or insurance and was hoping she could pay him with sexual favors. Ben declines and later walks in on young Moira and Elizabeth, trying to seduce him. He fires Moira and throws Elizabeth out. A detective and Hayden's sister arrive at the house, believing Hayden has been murdered, but Hayden's ghost appears and convinces them that she's fine. Vivian's doctor calls Ben and informs him that he is the father of only one of Vivian's twins. Believing that Vivian cheated on him, Ben visits her in the psych ward. Thinking she is asleep, he berates her over the supposed hypocrisy and says that he will never help her leave the asylum. Ben later tells Hayden that he never loved her. Heartbroken, she lies and says that Luke, the security guard, slept with Vivian. Constance tries to make up with her younger boyfriend Travis and proposes to him, believing that they can raise Tate's child together as a family. When he refuses, she mocks his dreams of becoming famous, and he later has sex with Hayden, who then murders him. Travis's body is dismembered by Dr. Montgomery and taken away by Larry, and his body was displayed in the same manner as Elizabeth's. Constance, desiring the child, visits Vivian in the ward, expressing her support. Vivian confides in her that she was raped by the rubber man, but she will pretend that it was a hallucination in order to be discharged. Ben confronts Luke. Luke denies sleeping with Vivian and says even if he had slept with her, he is infertile and therefore can't be the father of the other baby. As Moira leaves, Ben finds the rubber man mask outside and demands to know the truth now realizing that Vivian is not crazy and indeed was raped. Moira congratulates him for finally starting to see the truth appearing to him for the first time in her elderly form. The psychic Billy Dean Howard states to Constance that a child that is conceived between a ghost and a human is the Antichrist and will usher in the apocalypse. So we talked about Moira a lot already, but I wanted to save our main discussion about her until this moment that she has with Ben, because I think it's important to her character. And that's where we... Get kind of the plot hole we more or less already addressed, where all the ghosts look the same age as when they died. So technically, Moira should look how she looks when she's young, but she doesn't to most people. She appears the age that's consistent with how she would be if she was alive. And she's blind in the eye that she was shot in, but even that isn't really consistent.
2: She wouldn't be as seductive if she had, you know, a big wound in her face.
0: Right. Hopefully not.
2: We'll never know for sure, but it makes things interesting and we're talking about it, so.
0: All right, next episode. Episode 10, Smoldering Children. Flashing back to 1994, after Larry's wife, Lorraine, kills herself and their daughters, Constance, Tate, and Addie move into the house with Larry. Larry doesn't have burns during this time, which contradicts what he told Ben about his past. He was not burnt trying to rescue his family from the fire. After dinner, Tate berates Larry for killing Beau and his naivete around Constance, saying that Constance doesn't love him at all. The next day, Tate, high on cocaine and crystal meth, goes to Larry's office and lights him on fire with gasoline and a match before committing the school shooting. Wikipedia said that he was high on crystal meth and cocaine. We all thought it was a different drug.
2: If that is the case, he is very controlled.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, he's, he's high on drugs and he goes to Larry's office and lights him on fire with gasoline and a match and then goes on to commit the school shooting. Ben visits Vivian in the hospital and apologizes. He tells her that he believes that she was raped and that she will be discharged soon. He also tells her that the doctor told him that the twins have different fathers, meaning that the rapist had fathered one of the twins. Detectives tell Constance of Travis's murder and she confronts Larry believing he killed Travis out of jealousy. Larry says that the ghosts killed Travis in the house and he only moved the body. Constance tells him that she never loved him and that he doesn't have a chance of getting back together with her. Detectives take Constance in for questioning over Travis's death. They mention that the district attorney also intended to charge her with the murder of her husband and Moira, but they couldn't find the bodies. Larry enters the house to see his daughters and wife playing with Travis's ghost. He apologizes to Lorraine and swears to get revenge on Constance, but she tells him that it wasn't Constance who broke their wedding vows, it was him. Constance learns that Larry has confessed to the murder. She visits him in jail, and he explains that he confessed to pay for his sins. But he will be able to handle the punishment if Constance will just say that she loves him. Constance coldly refuses and leaves. A truant officer informs Ben that Violet has skipped school for 16 days in a row. After a talk with Ben, Violet promises she will start going back to school. Wearing the rubber man's suit, Tate attacks Ben with chloroform. Ben fights him and pulls off his mask, seeing Tate's face just before going unconscious. Tate begs Violet not to go back to school, and tries to convince her to commit suicide so they can stay in the house together forever, revealing that he has known that he was a ghost the entire time. He pressures Violet and says that she doesn't have much time because her dad will wake up soon. She flees and tries to escape the house, but every time she tries, she ends up back inside. She is confused and upset. Tate relents and takes Violet to the crawl space where he shows her her decaying corpse. She did not survive the suicide attempt. Tate thought if he could convince her to kill herself willingly she would not have to know that she died earlier. Yeah, so this episode, they give Larry a full story arc, um, and we finally learn the truth that his burns were actually from Tate and not from him setting his family on fire, which is what he said originally, or him trying to save his kids after his wife set herself and the children on fire, which she did do, but he didn't... The flames were too bad for him to have tried to save them. I think.
2: I mean, kinda doesn't matter. You know, it just shows that he didn't care about his family. the The flames, if you know how, however bad the fire was, it's it's shouldn't matter if you actually care. You know, you're going to make an effort.
0: Yeah. And the title of the episode, Smoldering Children, refers to how the little girls and Lorraine still look like they're on fire, which is another thing where it's like, okay, they look exactly how they did when they died, but not everyone does.
2: Yeah. And the explanation that's given to Ben sleepwalking is that Lorraine is the one who's holding his hand to the flame because she wants somebody to feel her pain. It's less like a conscious person and more like the remnant of that agony and anguish and and all the bad things.
0: The next episode is titled Birth. We learn that while living in the house as a child, Nora was like a surrogate mother to Tate. She protected him from the Infantata, aka Thaddeus, and taught him how to make the ghost leave him alone. Tate had promised that he would give Nora one of the babies, but changed his mind when he realized he would have to tell Violet that he raped her mother. Nora resolves to take the child anyway. Ben picks up Vivian to take her from the hospital to her flight to Florida, not understanding why Violet refused to leave with both of them. In the house, Violet and Tate realize Chad and Patrick are planning to take the twins. Violet asks Constance for help who confronts Chad and says that he can have Ben's child, but the grandson is her own. Chad realizes that Tate fathered one of the twins. Constance and Violet enlist the help of Billy Dean, who teaches Violet a banishment spell that's supposed to cast Chad and Patrick out of the house. Violet tells Ben that she is dead and can't leave the house, and urges him to take Vivian away from the house and its ghosts before she gives birth, but Ben doesn't believe her. Meanwhile, Vivian goes into labor in the car, and Constance appears and takes her into the house. The power goes out, the phone lines are cut, and the ghosts destroy their car, forcing Ben and Vivian to have the babies in the house. Dr. Montgomery and the nurses help with the delivery. Violet recites the banishment spell to try to release Chad and Patrick from the house, but she realizes that it doesn't work. Chad tells her that Tate killed him and Patrick and also raped Vivian. Vivian gives birth with the first twin being stillborn, and Dr. Montgomery hands it to Nora. Constance takes the second twin to wash it, and Vivian begins to bleed very severely, and it becomes clear that she is likely not going to survive. Violet appears and urges her to let go and join her in the afterlife. Ben, unaware of Violet's presence, urges Vivian to live. Vivian dies, and Ben finds himself alone. Violet confronts Tate, revealing that she knows everything that he has done, and she forces him to remember the school shooting, then asks why he raped her mother. Tate pleads for forgiveness, but Violet angrily banishes him by saying go away. As he leaves, Violet becomes devastated and heartbroken, but Vivian's ghost appears and comforts her daughter to calm her down. Any comments on this episode?
1: Violet confused me a lot in this episode, but Violet before did not want her parents to be in the house to give birth, but then... As they're in the house, she's encouraging her mom to die to be with her, which I understand in some sense. But also, the flip is jarring to me that now she's like, okay, now you can die.
0: I had some time to think on it because you brought it up while we were watching it and I think that it was probably like her ideal goal would be for her to have the babies in a hospital away from the house and to keep the babies away because she knows that a lot of the ghosts want to take them. But I think since she's already in the house and close to death, she'd rather have her there than, you know, die not by her side. I
1: get that. Yeah. Since it's already happening, at least she has her mom now with her.
0: But I agree that it was a dramatic shift.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's what it, being a ghost does to you.
0: Those make you uh, pretty selfish, like Chad and Patrick.
2: And then they don't even really want to be parents because Chad says, oh, we're going to have both these kids and we're going to let them grow up until they're maybe like a year or two old. And then we're going to drown them so that we have these one or two year olds just with us for all eternity. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They seemed very human when they were alive, but the moment they die, then they're okay with murdering babies. Like that's a huge jump.
0: Yeah, that was very dark. I think that's why the house is giving everyone an obsession with babies. Maybe because of the... Because I'm trying to think of, was the house evil before Nora and Charles? Or did they make it evil? And was it evil because of the abortions? Which I don't agree with, I'm just speculating. Or is it evil because of the, the experiments Charles was doing?
2: I don't know. They built the house. And I think by creating the Infantata, it opened... A path for evil just to come in, take
1: hold.
0: But it's very uh, baby-centered haunting.
1: Yes, a lot of babies.
0: Gives everyone, like, blinders. Or not blinders, like they're just hyper-focused on one thing.
1: Tunnel-visioned, yeah.
0: Tunnel-visioned, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. All right, so the final episode, episode 12, titled After Birth... After Vivian's death, Ben attempts to find her and Violet in the house. He goes to see Constance, who has been taking care of the baby since Vivian's death, and discovers that she is Tate's mother. He threatens her and leaves with the baby. Vivian decides not to show herself to Ben so that he doesn't want to stay in the house and that he will raise their son somewhere else. Ben contemplates suicide, but Vivian appears and stops him. He then reconciles with Vivian and Violet's ghosts. Who encourage him to start a new life with the baby. He goes upstairs to take the baby out of the house when Hayden and the other ghosts appear and hang Ben from the chandelier, making it look like his death was a suicide. Hayden takes the baby, but Constance reclaims it later. Constance tells the police that she found Ben after he had hanged himself and throws out the theory that Violet must have run off with the baby. When a new family, the Ramoneses, move in, Vivian, Ben, and Moira, and the other ghosts plot to scare them. and. Make make them leave the house. Tate attempts to kill the Ramones' son Gabriel, thinking that he might be a better boyfriend for Violet. Violet stops Tate and distracts him allowing Gabriel to flee with his family. Tate attempts to apologize to Ben, who says that he's unable to forgive him because the actions Tate took were against his family, not specifically to him. Tate asks if he could still be Ben's friend and Ben declines his offer and says that he believes Tate is an irredeemable psychopath and therapy's not real and doesn't help anyone. Vivian finds Nora taking care of her and Ben's baby. Vivian thought the baby had been stillborn, but it was actually born alive and died moments after birth meaning that it is now a ghost. Nora returns the baby to Vivian after she realizes that she isn't a good mother. Vivian names the baby Jeffrey and asks Moira to be the baby's godmother. After that, the Harmons and Moira decorate the house for Christmas while Tate tells Hayden that he'll wait forever for Violet to forgive him. Three years later, Constance is at a hair salon. She tells her stylist that she took in her cousin's child after a fatal car crash. She confides that she had always felt like she was destined for greatness, and that greatness was finally realized when she decided to be a parent to the child. Constance returns home from the hairdresser and sees a trail of blood on the floor leading to the bedroom of her grandson Michael, who is now about three years old. The body of his nanny is laying on the floor. Constance looks at him and says, Now what am I going to do with you? And I saved our discussion on Constance for the end because I think that hairdresser scene as well as her interaction with Michael is too important not to talk about and to talk about her character as a whole because she kind of reveals to the hairdresser how she sees herself and, and I think that how she sees herself is an important part of her character and not something we're officially let in on until the end.
1: It kind of almost seemed like she wanted to be a mother or a godmother, or a grandmother, whatever, for the esteem of it, though, instead of actually wanting to be a motherly figure.
0: Yeah, she falls in the trap that I think a lot of the ghosts do too, where they fixate on being a parent and they see it much more of a possession than a person. And you could even say that Ben and Vivian treat Violet that way. She's kind of a pawn in their relationship and they don't check in on her or take a whole lot of interest in what she's interested in. They just have that sort of college mindset that I think a lot of people in our generation grew up with where it's just like, uh, the only thing that's super important is you know, the next steps.
1: Right. When, like, when are you going to college? Where are you going to college? When are you getting a girlfriend? When are you getting married? When are you having kids? Like, it's always another thing.
0: What do you want to be when you grow up? No, not that. What else do you want to be when you grow up? Like, it's just kind of...
1: Right. Yeah, them taking a lot of control and, like, living vicariously through them. Kind of on a different subject. Michael is the Antichrist, basically, or at least according to the, the lore of this world that It was born from a ghost and a human, and it turns out, like, kind of psychotic. So I'm almost wondering if Tate, like, if he was, like, a first Antichrist, maybe, um, it would maybe explain why he is the way he is, or he's just a psychopath that has a psychopath mother, too.
0: Yeah, I think it's more the second one, just because of later seasons. I don't want to get too into it, but they do revisit Murder House, and, yeah, I don't want to get too far into it because that's not what we're talking about, and I also don't want to spoil it for anyone who's only watched this season, but it doesn't seem like Tate, aside from him, you know, now being a ghost and him always being a psychopath or whatever you want to call it. I don't think there was anything special about him, but I don't know. Constance also, like, she seems supernaturally flawed, but I don't know if it's just that she's a terrible human or she has something else going on.
1: Right. Well, that's, I think, the perfect way to have said that, supernaturally flawed. That's kind of what I was trying to get with Tate, that not that somebody can't be that evil because there's plenty of serial killers in real life, but there's just something so like, demented about Tate, that it almost doesn't seem plausible.
2: Yeah, he's too self-aware for it to be really, um, human.
0: hmm
1: Right. It's so self-aware, but he, he is incapable of not doing it or changing and is so manipulative about it at the same time.
0: Yeah, and even as an audience you do believe him sometimes. Like when he's talking to Ben, he's crying and saying that he really wants to change. And even when he's talking to Violet, he says he's crying and he's saying that he's a different person than he was when he did the school shooting or when he killed the the gay couple. But like and you fall for it sometimes and then you realize, "Oh wow, that's even more twisted because I definitely fell for that." And I mean, in the end, yes, it's an actor doing all of it. So it's not, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but
1: no, I I I I get what you're saying. Like there is some like basis of reality that like a guy or or somebody could manipulate somebody that way to be that charismatic or that charming or whatever to make somebody forget that he murdered people. I don't want to say it's a skill, but it's like just like a superpower the way he uses that to screw with people
0: and people say that about real serial killers and cult cultists i guess but it's kind of hard to believe because you know all of what happened and then there are times where it's like really that guy was charming like look at this picture he's horrifying like i would cross the street if i saw him but you never know for sure and if tate is any indication of that then then maybe i'm screwed
1: (laughs) Well, now you have seen some signs, so you know what to look out for. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh that's what I had to say, I think.
0: It was uh it was fun revisiting it. I think some things aged well, some things didn't, but this show is all about talking about things that mean a lot to us or meant a lot to us and giving them the discussion that we always want to have but are afraid to, you know, completely alienate people around us, so we just you know sit and talk for hours about it
1: yeah you know we just talk about this crazy edgy show that everyone should watch i think it's interesting um it gets pretty bonkers the more you get into the later seasons but it's it's an experience i think
0: yeah i think if you like horror it's fun to watch i think that it's a good looking show I might have said this already, or I've just known this about myself, but usually if something is described as having style over substance, I'm interested, and I think um, American Horror Story fits that pretty well. All right, well, thanks for going on that journey with me, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah of course. Good pick. It was uh, fun to revisit.
0: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Spooky Pod. I also do a Twitch live stream once a month with some of my buddies in the true crime world. So be sure to follow us there as well. And uh, Chris, where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram at chrisambrose80. I draw monsters and horror related stuff. And uh, yeah, if you like art, check me out. And you can follow me away from the Gimp Boy.
0: It's probably a good place to be. Bye.
2: Bye! Infantada. What is that, a
0: Mexican dish?